Good morning, everyone. Oh, I've got the dodgy stand. <laughs> Gosh, dodgy stand already. That's not good, is it? Okay, um, morning, everyone. My name's uh, Stuart. For those who don't know me, one of the key leaders here. And this morning, we're going to finish off our series um, that we've been looking at over the last month or so. And the series has been called Kingdom Living. And we've been exploring together three words. Thy kingdom come. What did Jesus really mean by thy kingdom come? That prayer he taught us. And today is our birthday. Everybody's going, is there a cake? Is there a cake? No, there's no cake. Sorry, that would be creative of me. But today is the birthday of the church. It's the birthday of the church, Pentecost Sunday. Today we celebrate when the church globally was born. It's this group of believers who had passion, faith, fear, doubt, insecurities, all mashed up, were gathered in Jerusalem. Jesus had died, he rose to life. He'd appeared to his disciples, to followers. Then he ascended to heaven. And he gave these followers a task to spread his message, to baptize in his name. But he didn't leave them alone. On this day, with the day that we celebrate today, the Holy Spirit came upon those followers and the church was born. They were meeting in a room. They were worshipping God. They were declaring the wonders of God. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and they declared it in all sorts of languages. And it spilled out into the streets. I love that picture. The worship of God spilled out into the streets. Songs are not just meant for four walls here. And what happened? Peter, one of the apostles, came and gave this amazing sermon. You can read it in in Acts chapter 2. We're going to jump in later on in Acts chapter 2. And he... People from all nationalities were already in Jerusalem. They were celebrating a festival. And the Holy Spirit drew drew people to faith in Jesus because the Holy Spirit was present. Jesus was glorified. And those group of 120 or so followers became 3,000 in one sitting. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we celebrate. That's where the church was born. The Holy Spirit came, gave power to those first followers to be witnesses in our world. A guy called Mike Pilavachi, who runs Soul Survivor Church, says this. The Holy Spirit was, wasn't, sent, wasn't sent so that we can have bless-ups in our churches but so that the world can change. When we exist for the sake of others, it stops the ministry of the Holy Spirit becoming stale. The Holy Spirit comes to the church for the sake of the world. Most miracles recorded in the book of Acts happened on the streets. I'm saying that as a kind of a baseline, because that's the, that's the whistle-stop tour of that Acts 2 That's where we jump in, to the context of the passage we're looking at this morning. 
We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 onwards. If you want to turn to it in your Bibles, it will be on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This journey of the Holy Spirit that took the early church, moved right through the book of Acts on a crazy journey of supernatural healings, of, of extravagant generosity, of ridiculous, crazy, faith-filled acts of God. This journey went through right until in Acts 17, we read these words that it was describing the early church. These who have turned the world upside down have come here. There's some journey from this group of believers to be people who had turned the world upside down. Now, as we explore this together, I want to give a kind of a disclaimer because I want you to understand where I'm at. I don't feel that I've got this sorted at all. I don't feel I live this out kind of consistently. And I want to be honest with you because I don't want you thinking, well, You're standing up here and saying all this stuff. There are people in this church who I think have got this a lot better than I have. They model it to me. I'm not going to name them, but they model what does this kingdom community that was started with the early church really look like. So what is kingdom community? There's a proverb um, from from a, a group, a tribe in South Africa... Um, it was actually Nelson, the tribe that Nelson Mandela came from. And there's this proverb that says this, A person is a person through persons. A person is a person through persons. Many other cultures see relationship and community as a principal form of identity. This is not something that we're really good at here in the West. We're really not very good at this. But our primary identity as Christians is in relationship. As Christians, our primary identity is in a relationship with God. The community starts with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Perfect community, perfect unity. And then in Romans 8, 16, it also reminds us that we are children of God. That's what we just sang. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we're intimately brought into God's family. He treats us as his own children. We inherit what is passed on. So our primary identity as children of God is part of family, part of God's family. Our primary relationship is with God. 
And if we're part of God's family, then we have brothers and sisters. Look around. That's your bros and your sis. Desmond Tutu takes that proverb a little bit further. He says, a person is a person through persons. None of us comes into the world fully formed. We would not know how to think or walk or speak or behave as human beings unless we learnt it from other human beings. We need, either, we need other human beings in order to be human. I am because other people are. A person is entitled to a stable community life and the first of these communities is the family. So I'm suggesting this morning that kingdom community comes from a place of coming to a relationship with Jesus. I'm looking forward to this afternoon to celebrating Rachel's, Julia's story about their journey to coming into relationship with Jesus. But it's also about being connected in community with others in church family. You know that image... um, and I've said it before, you, take, you have a kind of a coal fire. You take a coal out of that fire and you put it on its side. It's going to go cold. But you put that coal back into the fire, into the place of community with other coals. Slight. It starts to warm up again. You see the heat produced. We can't do this journey unless we're in community. The Greek word bit of Greek, Cornelia, which is probably said wrong, is commonly translated fellowship. It's the word we see here in, in, in verse 42. It has no exact English equivalent. Cornelia implies that it's more than just socializing in a church setting, in social gatherings, having a cuppa over the end, at the end of church. This word means holding our lives in common. The first century Christians demonstrated that, that meaning through spiritual, social, material generosity towards one another. They knew what it meant to hold their lives in common, in community. And this kind of concept is important to us to understand and to live out. In the early church, there's this relationship between this heart for God and generosity to one another. So close that we never see isolated individuals, but members of one of another, communities, where they grow to spiritual maturity, advancing the kingdom of God. Within kingdom communities, there's strength, support, protection from what the world throws at us, what we experience in our own lives. It's about doing this together. This is what community looks like. This is what kingdom community looks like. And this morning, I want to kind of delve into this passage and say, just this is not all the hallmarks, but this is some of the hallmarks of what we need to wrestle with individually and corporately of what kingdom community looks like. Nicky Gumbel, who kind of wrote the Alpha Course, um, is a vicar in London of a, a large church there. He said this, connection with God and with other people, people are settling now for a very superficial level of connectivity and community with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. 
But actually, there's a hunger in the human heart for a deeper level of connectivity. Everyone has that. But it's finding a language in a very fast-moving culture to address that. Community means being connected. We need to understand that, not kind of push aside what is happening in our, around our globe, but understand how do we bring connectivity in community in the 21st century. In other words, how do we live out, not just pray thy kingdom come, but live out thy kingdom come. So here are some of the hallmarks that I've seen in this passage of what kingdom community looks like. Firstly, there's an authentic, I might have made up a word here, togetherness. Is that a word? It is a word, yeah. Um, Community is something that is lacking in our Western culture. I've already said that. Often we don't know who our next door neighbours are. There are people who live alone, who don't know how to meet other people. There are fewer hubs in society. Places where people can meet together. When we do spend time together with others, particularly when we spend time with people who are not like us. That's a big, big challenge. It's all very well to build kingdom community with people who are just like us. But how do we do that with people who are not like us, that we would naturally click with? Let's look at this passage, and we see how many of the words emphasize togetherness. Verse 44 says they had everything in common. 45 says they they gave to every, anyone as he had need. In 46, every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. In 46, it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together. In 47, it says praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. There's an authentic togetherness in this kingdom community. It's close-knit. They looked after the needy. They studied together. They prayed together. They supported each other. They broke bread together. They were generous with their possessions. They are hospitable with their homes. That's a hallmark of kingdom community. Another one is that they... There was a devotion. The early church was committed to the teaching of God's plans and purposes. They were committed to prayer. They're committed to sharing communion together. To this, this word fellowship. It was a place of being filled, refueled. But it was deep. It wasn't a forced habit. Sometimes I feel like... Building community is a forced habit that I kind of force myself to do sometimes, if I'm honest. Not something that was just devotion. They were just devoted to each other. Devoted to these kind of things. This is a challenge if you've been a Christian for a long time. If you've been around church or you've been kind of following Jesus for a long time, it is a challenge to be devoted to teaching, to prayer, to communion, to fellowship with all those things, not just one, all of them. I read this comment recently. Being plugged into a good church is better than only listening to a podcast from a great church. Involvement trumps eavesdropping. I like that. 
Involvement trumps eavesdropping. With all my heart, I believe in the local church as a family on mission. Knowledge is good, teaching is good, however, without love is nothing. The challenge that comes to us is a bit hard-hitting. Have you ever heard the phrase, or even said the phrase, I'm going to say it out loud, I didn't get anything out of that. I have. I've said it. I've said it in the last year. And it's easy that that becomes defining us. It's easy to let consumer community be the default rather than kingdom community. Consumerism is a cultural thing in our world that has crept and invaded the church. The feelings of entitlement in the world has crept and invaded the church. We need to stand up for something different, a kingdom community. A kingdom community. Another hallmark is being teachable. Those early Christians in that early church were teachable. They responded by living lives that resulted in more being saved and joining in their number. There was something in that kind of prayer and understanding, studying together, of sharing communion, that translated that they must have been teachable because stuff happened and that people were added to their number there was explosive growth it wasn't one or two added to their number every few years but daily they were hungry for what god has in store i'd suggest that their hearts were soft and not hardened can we just pray father god i ask that holy spirit you would come And you would soften every single person's heart in this room. Soften our hearts, God, that we would be a kingdom community that receives from you all your goodness, all that you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. They were hungry for God. Softened hearts. Another hallmark was there was the presence. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The presence of the Holy Spirit was a hallmark of the church. Signs and wonders, which can be miraculous healings, could be supernatural breakthroughs, resulted in a filling of awe. The presence of the Holy Spirit leads us back to a deeper led us to a deeper worship of him that's that's what i want that's the journey i want that i see god break through and it leads me to a deeper revelation of him which leads me to the place of worshiping him more another hallmark is generosity they sold property possessions to give to anyone, anyone who is in need. I think this is a a challenge in our society here today. Generosity is a breakthrough kingdom community thing that our society needs to get, that we need to model as church. It's not about saying we're okay first and then we'll be generous. It is about being explosive, extravagantly generous. That would break through the political mess. 
That would break through any kind of hierarchical stuff in our societies. If the church would model generosity like the early church did, we'd see our world turned upside down again. We've seen glimpses of this. I've, I've been amazed. I've been on this journey with, as some of you know, with, with the food bank here. We have seen, last year, we had 45 tonnes of food donated to our one little food bank from people who live in these communities. It just shows me, underlying in communities, there is a heart for generosity for those who they don't know, but there's something bubbling there. Can the church ignite that in a wider sense? That it's not just about food, but about everything. I think we, have a, we could capture something of the heart of kingdom community. Generosity is a hallmark of that. Gratitude is another hallmark. They had glad and sincere hearts. There was a thankfulness that was consistent in the early church. You probably heard the phrase about living with a, it's kind of corny really, living with an attitude of gratitude. I don't really like that phrase particularly. But I get what was behind it. It's actually essentially making a habit to express thankfulness and appreciation in all parts of your life, big and small. You know, that actual kind of attitude, that is a kind of a, apparently is a psychological principle to have that way of living. But the early church are way ahead of the game here. They model that with glad and sincere hearts. And what fills me with sadness is I would suggest that sometimes we don't model that very well as Christians. We model a complaining that is more visible than gratitude. I've experienced that this week. I've experienced earlier this week a complaining that was 15 years ago. And I was, and that got me. I was like, I wanted to have a fight, to be honest. (laughs) I wanted to have a kind of a pop back. But I was challenged to respond with patience, grace, and gratitude. Thankfulness releases more of what the kingdom of God is about. Thankfulness releases more what the kingdom of God is about. Gratitude. Another hallmark is that a kingdom community is attractive. Not in like the physical kind of stuff. Enjoying the favour of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. There was an attractiveness of how they lived life. And people came to faith daily. Now in our culture... As Christians, we can easily feel guilty that we're not all evangelists, yeah? Do people ever feel like that, that I'm not, I haven't got my five friends that, or family that I've been praying for have come to faith by lunchtime today? I can feel guilty about that. We've been encouraging us as church to, to kind of pray for five friends or family who don't know Jesus, part of this thy kingdom come. And we can feel guilty about that. But there's something about being... 
how we live our lives that is attractive. I remember a few years ago, um, well, it's quite a few years ago now, we got given, um, we got given a car by someone in church. This is well, it's quite a long time ago now. And I remember my in-laws, who don't know Jesus yet, um, they just could not get their heads around that at all. Nothing, they were just, nobody gives someone a car free. And we said, well, it was someone in church. And then when we went through kind of a different periods of illness, when people cared for us, there's people here uh, over in this part, I'm not going to say who they are, who did our ironing. I was like, no one else has ever done ironing for me. I don't even know how to do ironing without really bodging it up. But people offered to do ironing for us. And our, in, my in-laws were just like blown away by that. But it, what it did is it actually opened up deep conversations about faith. But why would people do that? That does not make sense. That's not the world we live in. That is something that was attractive to them about what kingdom community looks like. It is a long haul. We have to do this for a long time and be consistent. Another hallmark is unity. I started off with saying about being authentically together. And as I come towards the end, I want to suggest that unity is a key hallmark. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And the church, in general, has strayed massively on this. And it must break the heart of God. It must break the heart of God. This afternoon, in Trafalgar Square... In London, a church is from all denominations in the heart of London who are going to be worshipping God together and praying your kingdom come over this nation. Every denomination. That will please the heart of God. Division doesn't. I like what John Wimber once said, and he's, I'll read it because it says it better than I can say it. He founded the Vineyard Movement of Churches. And he said this, when we make a commitment to Christ, we make a commitment to his purpose in the world, which is to a healthy, unified body, the people of God. A few years ago, God showed me that I'd sinned many times against the body of Christ. I'd become judgmental of the larger body of Christ. I publicly repented of my divisive attitude. God spoke to me about loving the things he loves. He loves his church. He loves the whole church. Protestant and Catholic, Orthodox and Anabaptist. I don't mean he loves all the things different Christians believe and do, but in his heart, Jesus deeply loves his body. Those people who are born of the Spirit of God and who know the Father. We have been called to love the things Jesus loves, so we have no choice but to love the whole church, even denominations whose beliefs we may not agree with or whose, those parts we do not understand. We need to do this better. I've brought up um, my, in my upbringing, my mum comes from Northern Ireland, as some of you know, so I'm half Northern Irish. And my dad is from Devon. In Northern Ireland, there is still deep, deep divisions between Protestant and Catholic. 
When we go over, we went over to a wedding, we just don't even talk about it. Because it just causes pain, it causes hurt. But there is something about the church that we need to model that is a hallmark of kingdom community about unity and not being divisive. How does Jesus love his church? He loves with his last hallmark. He loves us. In Ephesians 4 verse 2 it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. How can people love each other if we don't relate personally? Kingdom communities look like this. People are humble, gentle, patient, bearing one another in love. Not just people that you like or people you are just like you, but everybody across the board. That's what kingdom community looks like. Everything we learn from the Bible is tested by being with a group of people who, that we, we do life with. That might look like a small group. That might look like a, a team that you're part of. That might look like a, a group that you meet together with regularly. Sometimes we need more support than other times. That season can be long or short. Loving one another is not just a good idea. I would suggest it's one of the biggest legacies that Jesus left us. In John 13, it says, Jesus himself says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. We get this hallmark. I would suggest the rest kind of start to fall into place a little bit better. This is what kingdom community looks like. And we're going to share communion together in a minute. This practical demonstration of, of remembering God's love for us. Where he demonstrated his love for us by sending his son to die for each one of us. For our forgiveness of our sins. For bringing us back into the community with himself. And then on that day of Pentecost, and even on today, we are the ones empowered by the Holy Spirit to live that out today in the 21st century. And there's two things I want to Firstly, that maybe you need to individually ask God for forgiveness. If there's anything in your heart that you think, actually, I might have done stuff that has brought divisive attitudes, disunity, judgmentalism, is that even a word? Complaining. What are those things that even in me, we're really good at pointing fingers still, everybody, but we need to look in our own hearts. Is there anything because that's where the place of forgiveness. Jesus wants to just wipe that slate clean on that. Because that's a barrier to living in kingdom community. And the other thing I want to encourage us, and there will be some people around the back, or just with someone next to you. Pray for that Holy Spirit in boldness today to step forward into kingdom community. 
in a new way, in a way that is attractive to the world. And I want to encourage us to do that. When I left home this morning, um, I was on the way to Abbey to set up and stuff. And to be honest, I'm kind of half fall out of the shower, fall out the front door, and I'm slightly asleep. And those who see me at 7.45 or in the morning, like, go look at the state of him. But I looked up to the sky and saw a, a balloon going across. I don't know if you saw a balloon going across Hawthorne Lockley's sort of area, Filton this morning and the words that dropped into my head and you know were I want to give you a different perspective and I pondered that on the way round God is that you saying that for us today I want to give you a different perspective because the perspective I see is all at this level I want to see God's perspective God's perspective on what kingdom community can look like. Shall we pray? Yeah, we say today, Lord, we come before you in our weakness, in our brokenness, in the stuff that we've said, we thought we've done and we say Lord here we are come Holy Spirit release forgiveness take us to a new place of understanding what it means to live in community together. To love one another. As we remember, as we celebrate and we remember what you demonstrated, Father God, by sending your son Jesus into a broken, messy world that sometimes doesn't look much different to what it did 2,000 years ago. And you meet us where we're at. You restore us. You restore a relationship with you. And you bring us into relationship with one another in a world that will, in a way that the world would see. So as we share communion, Lord, would you do stuff in our hearts that is more than the words that tumble out of our mouths, but it is a deep thing. And we celebrate and remember all that you have done for us. That's the baseline. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.